1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au.
0: Welcome to Leading the Way with popular pastor and Bible teacher Dr. Michael Yusuf. Join him today for a look at the second coming of Christ. Not a date on the calendar or how it will transpire, but more importantly, why it's such a key part of the Christian experience and why false teachers deny it. Now, here's Dr. Yusuf to begin today's Leading the Way teaching
1: time. Now, let me recap, just for those of you who may have missed one or two, but to give you a very quick recap 2 Peter chapter 1. We saw how Peter goes on the offensive, and he defends the Word of God as it is the inerrant Word of God. He said, it is God-breathed, all of it, not parts of it, all of it. And then in chapter 2, he warns us. He warns the true believers not to be misled, and not to be misled by the false teachers and the false preachers, which is easily done. And here in chapter three, he's saying that these false teachers and preachers will either deny, ignore, undermine, or otherwise despise the reality of the return of Christ. That's always a sign. Now, first of all, he said, "Know that in the last days scoffers—some translation says mockers—they will rise." and there will be more in number toward the end of time. They will come. They will come, but they will increase in the last days. They will not only flaunt their immorality, but they will simultaneously disregard any thought of future judgment. You know, a number of years ago, I saw one of those former evangelical preachers who turned bad was speaking to his audience. And he drew a line, a straight line. And he said, how many of you believe that history is linear? That is heading toward a finality, that's heading toward judgment. And by just about every hand was raised. And then he drew the second one of this circle. He said, what if I tell you that history is not linear, that it's circular?" And by the way, that's Hindu teaching, not Christian teaching. That the history will keep on going, keep on going, keep on going in circles. And these dupes sitting there saying, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, they move from one thing to the other by a simple deception. Peter is presenting the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as a fact of future event. It will happen. He is saying, you keep that return of Christ at the forefront of your minds, at the forefront of all your decision-making, at the forefront of your social relationships, at the forefront of your financial planning. You must keep the thought of the coming of Christ constantly throughout your day. He said that I am writing the second letter with the purpose, distinct purpose, of reminding you that this great day will come, so meditate on it. Now, my beloved friends, I want to tell you The longer I live and the longer I minister, the more I'm absolutely convinced that the wars in the life of a believer takes place between their ears. (laughs) The Bible said, as a man thinks, in his heart, he is. Don't listen to the mockers. Don't listen to the skeptics. Don't listen to the deniers of the truth of the Lord's return. Question. Question. What is the motive of these deniers of the preeminent return of Christ? Why? I don't have the answer. The answer is in the Scripture, verse 3. He said, the real reason that these false teachers deny the second coming of Christ is their own lust and sensuality. What does that mean? Because of their sensuality, or permitting sensuality, They hate the thought of divine judgment. They give themselves a license to pursue all sorts of lustful pleasures, so much so that they hate the thought of a final punishment, of a future punishment. They resent any hint that they will be held accountable for misleading of so many people. And the opposite is true. The opposite is true. Faithful believers who are living with the expectations of the Lord's return. They're continuously purifying themselves. They're continuously becoming every day more like Christ. They feel incentivized to live a holy life. They are encouraged by their reward, that that day of their reward for their faithfulness is coming. And no one can take that away from them. Verse 4. The attitude or the argument of false teachers toward the return of Christ is this. Listen carefully. People have been saying that Christ is coming back for 2,000 years. Nothing happens. Have you heard that? They say Jesus is not personally coming back to take his believers to heaven. Heaven and hell are a state of mind. Uh, They will tell you that the Bible-believing Christians have been crying woof for so long that we don't believe them anymore, that these Bible thumpers, they have preached the coming judgment and nothing happens, uh, that these Christians I well, say, you Christians have been talking about the destruction of the earth for far too long, but we are going to save planet earth. There is no empirical evidence that judgment is coming. Uh, There is a natural explanation for everything that takes place. We are all caught up in a web of natural evolution, and uh, God is part of that evolution, that God is ever-evolving with us, uh, that uh, God is caught up in this whirlwind of change, and He cannot do anything about it. In fact, that's one of those false teachers said the following. Listen to me. He said, if you take out the name God and substitute it with the word change, you get the same thing. I want to scream when he says change equals God and God equals change. And I want to say, no, and a million knows. They say every change, including change toward perversion, antithesis to the Word of God and the law of God, This is all synonymous with God, that God is actually permitting this change. God wants that change because God Himself is evolving and changing. Verse 5, Peter's calling these people scoffers. Why? Because they deliberately, they deliberately ignore the fact that God is separate from His universe. Indeed, God is above the universe. God is in control of His universe, and He's the only one who holds the entire universe together by the power of His Word. But there's something else that Peter is telling us here, namely, that the result of this induced blindness, I say that to you, it's induced blindness. And beloved, I was talking to a prominent radio talk show being interviewed about my book, and I talked about this induced blindness. I said, we used to read about it in the Bible, but now we're seeing it with our own eyes. And that's what the false teacher the teachers are maintaining, this induced blindness. And he said, Peter here, is saying, that they have discounted two major global events, two major universal events. The first one, the first historical event is the creation. Creation took place by God's Word. The Lord instantly brought the whole universe into being. He did not need pre-existing material. He did not need a blob to make the universe from. He did not need a long period of time. God always existed, but His creation of the universe has a beginning, and therefore it has an end. Genesis 1 and 2 affirms the young earth, and that is God created the universe in six days, and each day was 24 hours. I love it when I hear people on television saying, you know what, 25 billion years ago. And I said, where'd he get that? And they all mimic each other. It's all 25 billion years ago. <laughs> I mean, it's called shared ignorance. <laughs> Peter said, God created the earth between two areas of watery mass. And that same watery mass God used to flood the earth in the days of Noah. Which brings Peter to the second global event. The second event that he mentions here is the flood. What happened? Exactly when God finally had enough of the rebellion and the bloodshed and the disobedience, God took those two watery mass that He put in place and He got them loose, and they flooded the earth. After the flood in Genesis 9, 11, 12, 13, and 14, 15, God promised never again to destroy the earth by means of a flood. And that is why the coming judgment is not going to be a big flood, but it's going to be by fire. And just as water was there to flood the earth at God's command, at God's behest so will fire. For example, the galaxies consist of billions of burning stars. But more than that, more than that, listen carefully, please. The core of the earth contains a huge volume of molten rock that may be as hot as 12,500 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Think about this, okay, just think with me. (laughs) Only 10 miles of thick crust, 10 miles, separates humanity from earth-blazing inferno. That's all we have, 10 miles. We all read and heard and studied how destructive the power of nuclear bomb. The whole creation, because its base atomic structure, is a potential nuclear bomb. When God is ready, when God is ready... When His time comes, He will use that kind of nuclear energy to destroy the universe. Verse 7, He said, He kept the universe for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly people. Don't ever forget that. Of the who? (laughs) I'm going to come to that because this is important. I don't want you to miss it. Just as the day of Noah and Jesus Himself said that. The return of the Son of Man the day of the, it was just as in the days of Noah. In Noah's time, it will be in the day of judgment. The similarities are there. Namely, that those who have rejected the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, those who kept saying no, no, no to Jesus, will face the judgment. But don't ever forget... The Lord will deliver his own out of the world before he unleashes his final wrath. When I follow you, I want to shout. Hallelujah. He's going to save us. He's going to redeem us. He's going to pull us out of that inferno. Verse 8 Peter is saying, Don't forget that a thousand years in the Lord's sight, like one day. In fact, he's quoting from Psalm 90. Psalm 90 verse four it says, "For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past, and like the watch in the night." Himirat, right, please. Peter is saying here, "Don't ever forget that God's perspective of time is much different from humanity. Finite people cannot confine the infinite God in their time capsules. The day of the return of the Lord was appointed in heaven long ago, and that is why when Moses asked the Lord at the burning bush, who do I tell them sent me? He did not say, go and tell them I was, sent you because that would make him the God of the past. He did not say go and tell them I will send you because that will make him the God of the future. But when he said I am sent you he is telling them that he is the God of the past, the present and the future. That he is yesterday today and forever. That he is the God who never changes from generation to generation. I am means that he brought the creation into being and he will bring it to an end at his pleasure. And Peter is saying, don't ever forget that we're dealing with the one who's not divided past, present, and future. They're all in front of Him. They're all in front of Him. He is infinite in His essence. He is absolute in His dominion. He is ultimate in His power. He is transcendent in His glory, and He's your daddy. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 9… Peter supports his teaching regarding the second coming by appealing to the character of God himself. Listen, any argument that is divorced from the character of God that's not based upon the character of our God, it can fall apart. But any argument that's built on the character of God and his dealings in the past is a good argument. It's a strong argument and the thrust of the argument here in verse 9, <laughs> he said, The reason Christ had not returned yet is because God is so patient with sinners. God is waiting, and it's due to his graciousness and long suffering. It is not because he's not indefinite, and it's not because he's powerless, and it's not because he's distracted. No. The opposite is true, because He is merciful and long-suffering. He delays so that the elect sinners may come to repentance. Please hear me right. Just as God sent His Son, He sent Him the first time in the fullness of time. It was His timetable. It was His schedule. And so, He will send His Son a second time in the fullness of time. His time, verse 10, for those who are not waiting for him, he's going to come suddenly and unexpectedly. Just like the five versions. They were all asleep, physically sleeping, but five already. They were waiting, they were anticipating. And the other five got so busy with life's distractions. That they forgot about that great day. They were not waiting for him. And for them, that's gonna be a sudden, like a thief in the night. Heaven and earth will pass away. And by heaven, here he speaks of the visible universe, that is, the intergalactic space. Heaven and earth will pass away. But not one single iota subscript of God's Word will ever pass away. Peter saying this thing is going to be so loud. It's going to be so loud. Every single human being on the face of the earth will hear it. And those who love Jesus, put their whole trust in Jesus, longing to see Jesus, will be a day of rejoicing. It will be a day of rejoicing. If you're a person who never put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you got to get on first base, you repent of your sins and receive Him as your only Savior and Lord. But I have a challenge for those of you who know the Lord, and many of you are walking with the Lord for many years, and you think about your days and your weeks and your plans, very little of them to do with eternity. Everything to do with this life. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you with one question. I pray to God you never shake it off until you answer it. And I'm going to share it by telling you a true story. A man by the name of Charles G. Finney. He was a fine evangelist, led thousands of people to Christ. Now, I know that if you read about him, you're going to find that Christians disagree about some of his views, and they disagree about some of his thinking and so forth, but listen to me. Uh, don't get bogged down, just, just listen to the true story of this man. When you know that behind his conversion, such power and force, and then he became motivated in life by serving God and living in the light of his return, you'll understand the totality of his commitment to Christ. Story begins when Charles Finney was, in his last year, in law school. He was about to graduate the following year. In the summer, he was working as an intern in a law firm out in upstate New York. On this particular morning, he decided he's going to go early before all the lawyers come in, and and he's going to get the office ready, have it open, and he was sitting there alone for a little bit. And he literally heard the voice of God saying to him, Fanny, what are you going to do when you graduate from law school? He glibly said, well, put out shingle and practice law. Then what? Oh, make a lot of money and get rich. Then what? Or retire. Then what? Die. Then what? And the following words were coming from a stammering lips and trembling lips. And he said, Then the judgment. At that thought, Finney left that office and he walked into the woods. And there he knelt and prayed. And he saw himself standing before the judgment seat of Christ. And he realized that his life's purpose and his life plans all focused. On this life, he was totally consumed by his own ambitions and his future. All self-focused. No thought for eternity. Finney came out of the woods. Needless to say, he was a changed man. But after that it was a long struggle with the question of purpose. Ultimately, God won that struggle. And Finney dedicated himself to the Lord, and he led thousands upon thousands of people to Christ. Many people say that the impact of that man, life, went for many, many, many years in that area. They said he preached just like a lawyer. (laughs) Here's what I want to leave you with. Please, don't rest until you answer the question to yourself. Because it's really between you and God in the end. Then what? Keep asking yourself the question, then what? Then what? Then what? Let the Holy Spirit change whatever answer that you may give that is not focused on eternity. Let God speak to you. This is Leading the Way with
0: Dr. Michael Yusuf. Did what you heard today stir up faith questions? If so, you're invited to have a conversation with one of our pastoral team members. Get in touch with one of these compassionate folks by filling out a short form at ltw.org slash Jesus. ltw.org slash Jesus. Hey, did you know that Arabic is the fastest growing language spoken in the West? Reaching Muslims is no longer an over-there ministry but right next door. And at Leading the Way, the entire team is passionate about reaching your neighbours for Christ. Stations broadcasting Arabic content are being added, technology is being distributed to touch lives, and brothers and sisters are being equipped to have better conversations about Christ with friends and neighbours. For too long, language barriers and limited access to technology have roped off remote parts of the world, making their access to the gospel almost impossible. This desperate need is why Leading the Way has developed The Navigator, The Navigator is a solar-powered audio device packed with scripture and sermons from Dr. Yusuf in one of 26 of the world's most spoken languages. So far, Leading the Way has distributed over 130,000 of these smart pocket missionaries, and that number is climbing every day as part of Vision 2025. We're increasing Navigator production globally, as well as testing a new device as part of our Navigator outreach. This new device is uniquely designed to reach Arabic-speaking people in urban areas. Leading the Way is poised to distribute this new device to refugee communities across Europe, Africa, and South America. Your involvement today will provide the gift of the gospel to communities who have never heard the good news of Jesus. Contact us to be a part of this move of God. Learn how to stand with Dr. Yusuf and the worldwide Leading the Way team when you call 1-300-133-589. 1-300-133-589. Or online at ltw.org. ltw.org. Hey, thanks for listening today. And make a note of the time to plan to join Dr. Yusuf again next time for more Leading the Way.